This audio presentation was pre-recorded and edited for brevity and clarity. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our monthly Bright Focus chat presented by the Bright Focus Foundation. My name is Guy Eakin. I'm the Vice President for Scientific Affairs at Bright Focus, and today we're delighted to talk with Dr. Emily Chu. She is at our National Eye Institute, which is an arm of our federal government, where she is the Deputy Director of the Division of Epidemiology and Clinical Applications, and also Director of the Medical Retina Fellowship Program. So in this capacity, Dr. Chu has extensive experience in designing and implementing clinical trials at the NIH Clinical Center. So in particular, she's the study chair for the Age-Related Eye Disease Study, or ERITS. This is a topic we talk about frequently on our Bright Focus chats, and as many of you know, the ERITS vitamins are very often prescribed for dry AMD. So Dr. Chu and her group have been leaders in giving us the data that leads us to the confidence in saying that these vitamins work. So Dr. Chu, we're grateful to have you join the call today, and uh, I'd like to give you a chance to, did I miss anything in the introduction? So did, did I get it? No, thank you very much for having me. You got it right on. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, thank you for joining us. So before we'd like to get in the call, I do want to mention that if you have a question that you'd like to ask Dr. Chu at any time during today's call, please press star 3 to submit your question to an operator. And if for some reason you're disconnected from the call, the number to call back in is 877 229-8493. You'll be asked to punch in an ID code of 112435. So the ID code is 112435 and the number is 877-229-8493. And really quickly before we get started, we'd like to take a moment to poll the listeners today on a, on a couple of questions that'll help us use these chats and plan other resources for the future. And the question I'd like to ask right now is very simple. Have you ever had a dilated eye exam? And so if your answer is yes, could you press 1? And if the answer is no, could you press 2? And press 3 if you're not sure or if you don't know what a dilated eye exam is. So that's 1 if your answer is yes, 2 if the answer is no, or 3 if you're just not sure or not sure what a dilated eye exam is. But while that's getting started, I'd like to say, Dr. Chu, we just discussed, you have extensive experience with age-related macular degeneration, which is frequently referred to as AMD, but I'd like to take a moment and say it's Healthy Vision Month this month, and that both the National Eye Institute and Bright Focus are reminding the public to make sure they're getting eye exams to de detect diseases like macular degeneration. So could you briefly tell us about what a comprehensive eye exam is and what one should expect with the visit when you're visiting with the eye doctor? Sure. A comprehensive eye exam usually includes what we call dilation. It includes having a visual acuity tested to see how well you can see, you know, that 20-20 line and that great big E you're looking at. And then we, the physician puts drops in the eyes to dilate the color part of your eye. The iris becomes very large, and, and for many of us, you can't read very well after that. But that allows us to look inside the eye for many other diseases. We can look at the cataracts a little bit better. We can look for signs of macular degeneration or AMD. If you have diabetes, that's a good way to look for any diabetic eye disease. And, of course, if you have a family history of glaucoma, that's another good way to check to see whether you have glaucoma. So it's a very important part of it uh, to actually have that dilation and to be seen. And we encourage you to have it done because it helps to protect your vision and take good care of your eyes. 
So, so knowing that, I, it, it does beg the question: what what type of eye care professional typically performs the eye exam, and does it differ from, for instance, a, uh, a the typical eye exam you might get to when you go in to be measured for reading glasses or something of that nature? Well, there are really two types of eye care providers. And the first are the ophthalmologists. They're the ones with a medical degree. They have to go to medical school first and then learn about eye care after that. So they're more attuned to more of the, the systemic or other eye, uh, medical problems that one may have. If you have high blood pressure, if you have diabetes, uh, you should really consider taking uh, the care from someone with a medical degree. Of course, there's the optometrists who have also have a, a, a degree, and they're doctors of uh, optometry, and they can take good care of the eyes as well. Uh, what they do uh, is very similar. However, they're limited in, in what they can treat. So if you do need treatment, diseases that need treatment, they'll often refer you to the eye doctors, the medical doctors, the op- ophthalmologists. So those are the two main categories we're talking about. And what, what's the typical frequency that people in the general population would be encouraged to have those eye exams, especially the comprehensive eye exam? Well, quite often your own eye care professional can tell you that specifically for your own case. But if you're over 65, you definitely should have one at least once. And then, and, and depending on what you have, could be yearly, could be every two or three years. Uh, if you have a family history of glaucoma uh, and have a great propensity for some other eye diseases, you may want to go sooner. Uh, anyone over age of 40 should have at least a check, uh, especially if you have family history. People with uh, diabetes should have a yearly exam at least, if not more often, depending on what your eye professional care tells you. And then, of course, you know, everyone should have at least one daily eye exam. One of the main causes of, of vision impairment in our American population is actually just uncorrected vision problems. The need for glasses, for example, nearsightedness, farsightedness, what we call astigmatism, and of course presbyopia. So those are, are and as you get the older, your arms aren't long enough, you just need to have that checked. So it's really important to have your eyes examined for all of those reasons. Okay, so we're we're generally talking about an eye exam every every year or two for most people, and typically an optometrist or an ophthalmologist who's conducting those examinations. Of course, most of the people on our on our call today are specifically interested in age-related macular degeneration or AMD. And what types of questions should someone who knows that they have AMD? What types of questions should be they be asking in that comprehensive eye exam? And one question might that I would have is, should those eye exams continue in parallel to the treatment you're receiving for AMD, or will they be worked in by your by your ophthalmologist? Well, the ophthalmologist obviously would be very interested if you have macular degeneration for follow up. It also means that that other than regular follow-up, they may encourage you to monitor your eyes at home. Uh, one of the monitoring ways is look at it, uh, a grid, or an Amster grid, which is like a graph paper, and you're looking for any signs of blurriness or distortion. The lines become very crooked. Uh, so that's one way of monitoring it. And if you have conditioned macular degeneration, you should ask whether you should be on vitamins or any sort of treatment. Uh, and only those people who actually have certain signs of macular degeneration that they should be taking these vitamins. And I, you alluded to them earlier, the, the ARID supplement, age-related eye disease study supplement, which contains vitamins and minerals that have been proven to be helpful 
in particularly in patients who already have the early signs of macular degeneration. So those are important things. So the importance of tagging that and monitoring your own vision, that's very important. So for people with the dry form of macular degeneration, we've we've touched on the Areds vitamins and there's a there's a lot of language out there on the on the shelves around the Areds vitamins. You have the Areds trial, the original one, and then you have the more recent Areds two trials. Could you help people sort through this language and what they should be looking for and what the reasons are for the different different names for the uh, for the different types of vitamins? Sure. This is a, an area of constant confusion for our poor patients, partly because we have so many brands out there. So as you mentioned, Guy, the, the most the latest one we did was called the Eretz 2, in which we looked at vitamin C, vitamin E, beta-carotene, and zinc. We found that beta-carotene was a bit of a problem, especially for people who were former smokers. And obviously, if you're a smoker, you should not be taking that supplement because it increases the risk of lung cancer. So I think that's one thing we have to remember. What we did in the second one was to look at a different type of the what we call the carotenoids, which we get from green leafy vegetables. It's called lutein zeaxanthine, and that's an important ingredient that we added onto Arids too. So we actually recommend the Arids too because it eliminates the issue about lung cancer, and also we believe it has a, a, a slightly increased uh, beneficial effect over the Arids supplement. So we we feel that if you're going to go out and look for it, look for the Arids too mark, and that's really important. So it's it's summer. A lot of people have their gardens out. Are there are there particularly good foods for healthy eyes? You mentioned green leafy vegetables, and are are they going to help, or do we need to make sure that you're supplementing with the with the vitamins? Well, supplementing with the vitamin is vital. You have to continue with that. Nothing else can give you that much uh, in terms of the ingredients, like the, all the vitamins you get. You cannot possibly eat that much. But having said that also important to have a healthy diet. We found people with healthier diet had a less risk of macrogeneration. And that includes green leafy vegetables several times a week. Uh, that includes uh, spinach, collard greens, and kale are the sort of the, the top three that have the highest level of lutein zeaxanthine. And then although we didn't prove that omega-3 fish oil was important in the ARIDS-2 study, but still, eating fish twice a week is very important for you. So a diet for, with fish and green leafy vegetables, lots of vegetables are, is, is probably good for you because, you know, the Cancer Institute and the Heart and Lung Institute tells us that for heart disease and cancer, overall, for your well-being, those are important parts of your diet, and especially mm-hmm. so for macular degeneration. Certainly, the Bright Focus Foundation, is, as well as being interested in vision disorders, is also interested in Alzheimer's disease, and that's generally the, the same types of uh, brain-healthy uh, foods that, uh, that are recommended as tend to be eye-healthy as well. So one of the questions that we haven't mentioned this summer, uh, there's a number of sunglasses that are out there that are offered for, for people uh, you know, with low vision or, or with uh, impaired vision of any sort? Are there, is there any guidance you can give to people with macular degeneration about choosing summer protection for their eyes? Well, it's quite common for patients with AMD to have glare, and, and it's very comforting to have some form of protection that wraps right around. Uh, you know, if you can block out 90 to 100% of the UVA and UVB rays, that would be very important. 
although I say it's important, it's more for comfort. We can't prove that these rays are, are damaging to the eyes in the, in the macula, but we do know that they do affect the, the cataracts. So, so all in all, it, it is important for you to protect your eyes wearing these uh, sunglasses that block out these dangerous uh, sun rays. Are these are these typically would these be prescription glasses or would these be glasses that one could buy over the counter at the at the pharmacy? You can buy at the pharmacy. You can definitely buy them at the pharmacy. So, one of the reasons we talk about the comprehensive eye exam is it's one of the best ways to achieve an early warning for macular degeneration. Uh, there's many services out there that are using things like genetic testing to identify people who may be at risk for macular degeneration. So what can you tell you tell us about these services in, in general? How do we, when, when we get either uh, commercial data or clinical data about genetics, how, how do we as, as patients interpret that data? That's a very good question, Guy. Genetic testing is very important for us in the research world because we can understand better why one may have macular degeneration, how it might work. But how it predicts future disease is actually still very difficult to use. That information, you can take it to your ophthalmologist. They may just scratch your head and say, well, your risk is such and such. I really don't know what that means. Uh, it could be a certain percentage, etc." So the one thing we do know is when we look inside the eye, we find changes that are very predictive of macular degeneration. When you look at those changes in the eye, and you add a genetics to it, it does not add too much more. So in other words, genetic testing does not increase our knowledge. The most important thing we still feel is that if you have a family history of AMD, is to be vigilant and have a dilated eye exam for your eye doctor to look in and see if you indeed have some of the early signs of macular degeneration. That's much more predictive. There now is a trend for people suggesting for people to get genetic testing prior to having any of the, the vitamin supplements, like the ARIS supplement. Uh, there's been even fears of having harmful effects, but we have not proven that. It's very important to know that the ARIS supplement is not harmful, regardless of your genetic testing. You should take that when your physician tells you to do it. And genetic testing has not increased our knowledge or predict what will happen in the future. That still is something that we love to be able to work on and perhaps get better treatment based on genetics, but we're just not there yet. Uh, we hope one day to be there, but that's a great area, fertile area for research that we're working very hard on. Well, it's certainly a question we get a lot of, uh, lot of information coming into our organization about, and we have a lot of questions coming from the public about that topic. So perhaps maybe we could talk about things that somebody can do at home if uh, if genetic testing is perhaps still a little way out in terms of the scientific literature, how where are we on monitoring the progression of the disease and understanding how fast it's moving or if uh, if the speed at which it's moving is changing over time? What what do you ask patients to to use to monitor the disease at home and are there are there any aids for that? Well, that's a very good question about your you know, embodying yourself to do what you need to do, uh, patients will ask their physician, you know, how fast will I progress? What can I do to stop this? We can't predict, but what we do know is that if we can pick up changes early and you've got good vision, the treatment is much better. 
So there are, there are services which provide home monitoring that actually links onto a telemonitoring bar, like telemedicine that someone else is watching those changes and letting you know that there are changes. Uh, and that has been very useful in our hands. We've done a study in which we show patients given this monitor, uh, they were able to pick up the disease of wet form vaccination earlier and with better vision. And that really gives you a better chance of preserving what you have. So that's very important. So that's for people picking up early changes for the wet form macular generation. For those of you who already have macular generation in one eye and have had been treated, another way to look at that is with that graph paper I discussed, the AMSRA grid, and just perhaps even just monitoring covering one eye than the other to see if there's any differences over time, that would bring you in early to see the doctor. There are now other, uh, you know, there's actually even an app on your, on your iPhone which can be used to test visual acuity that's also monitored remotely as well. That's being investigated uh, to really pick up any changes, especially if you've had treatment uh, in macular generation. So there are various ways of doing that that you can look at. The other thing you can do for yourself, as I've already mentioned, is to keep a healthy diet and to live healthy. You know, exercise, keep your cholesterol low, reduce your, your blood pressure. All those things are really important. We know that people who have increased body mass index or, or a little bit more overweight may have a higher risk. So keep good, healthy habits. This is very important for your eyes as well as for your heart and your brain. Well, thank you. And as a reminder to everyone, you can briefly leave the call and ask a question by pressing star 3 to submit the question to an operator. If for some reason you're disconnected, then call in at 877-229-8493, and there's an ID code to punch in. That's 112435. I should say, if you're if you're frantically trying to write down things that Dr. Chu is saying, don't worry about that. We will be posting a transcript of this of this conversation and all our Bright Focus chats on the Bright Focus website. If you give us about a week, we'll get that up. And if you don't tend to use uh, tend to use our website, then you're more than welcome. We encourage you to call in at one eight hundred. 437-2423. That number again is 1-800-437-2423. And we can send you a copy of that transcript as long as some of the other information we have, such as uh, other chat transcripts. Um, we have literature about questions to ask your eye doctor, as well as some of the literature about at the at-home monitoring devices that, that Dr. Chu just mentioned. So we do have questions that are coming in, and that right before we get to those questions, uh, we'd like to run the next poll that we have. And so if you'd be willing to uh, bear with us for a moment, the question is quite simply, how frequently do you have your eyes checked? So if you have had an eye exam every one to two years or more frequently, please press one. Press two if you are having eye exams every three years or more, and press three if you've never had an eye exam and perhaps you're on the phone for, for another person. So again, that's every one to two years, press one. Press two every if your eye, eye exam has been three years or more. And three if you've never had an eye exam. So let's turn to the, uh, to the questions. And of course, we'll, we'll address as many of the questions as we, as we can in the course of the conversation. Um, if there are some questions that aren't covered during this particular chat, uh, 
there then we'll we'll try to get them covered in a future chat or uh, or in, or work them into the uh, work them into the conversation in another way. So one of our first questions is Rebecca from Alabama has a question about progression of AMD while on the vitamin supplements. And so we know that ARIDs delay progression, and in her case, she's on a, a also on a zinc-free vitamin that was recommended by her doctor. But in general, how do we measure whether AMD progression is slowed? And what should the average person person's expectation be for their vision while while on these vitamins? Well, this the ARIDs supplement is an interesting set of vitamins because it does not really improve your vision. Uh, it will slow down the progression, which is difficult for you to measure. You'd have to go into the eye doctor to see where things are. You, you won't be symptomatic. You won't, in, in fact, improve. But what it does do is reduce the risk of developing the more severe end of disease. In other words, it would prevent you from going into the more vision-impaired type. So that part is good. It doesn't really change you from going from one step to the other. So clearly this is something your doctor has to has to work with you, but it is an important vitamin be, because of the fact that we can reduce the risk. Approximately 300,000 people, you take it for five years. So it really is an important aspect, and I think you'd have to have to trust with your doctor as to how that will be going and, and not look for actual improvements in vision but to know that this is going to prevent you from getting worse. Thank you. So we have uh, Mr. Catino from Pennsylvania is asking, he has uh, dry macular degeneration in one eye and wet in the other eye. And he's asking generally about the chances of the dry eye turning into the wet form of the disease and you know, he follows the question with the uh, how, how does he go about preventing it from turning to wet? And of course, we've talked about the vitamins, but what are the chances of a of a eye that is dry turning into a into the wet form of the disease in in any given time frame? Well, Mr. Katina, we don't know for sure for you personally, but in a big group of people, we can tell like in over you know the five thousand patients we we follow. About 30% in five years may develop a wet form as well from the dry. So it's a 30%. You may be lucky, be the 70%, and not develop it at all. What you can do is to monitor your eye, either with the home monitoring type or with the, the grid, and look for changes. Early changes will get you into the doctor, and they can treat you much earlier. The wet form is quite treatable, and people can improve their vision, and 90% maintain what they have. So that's the good part about, about that aspect of the disease. Oh. Well, thank you so much. Um, Michael from New York is, is seeing some flashes of light in front of, uh, in front of him that dissipate within 20 seconds and describes them as looking like the Milky Way. Is that something that is uh, is common to macular degeneration, or is that potentially something that might be another uh, another condition going on with his eyesight? Well, Michael, I think you should have your eye doctor look at your eye, have it dilated to look for vitreous separation. That's a jelly part of the eye that separates from the from the retina, which is quite common, and it causes what we call floaters. And the vitreous separation is a normal part of growing up actually, and so it may not be dangerous, but the only dangerous part is that it can cause a retinal detachment. So if you have those flashes of light that are 
are, are sudden and you have lots of floaters, you should see an eye care provider as soon as possible to make sure you don't have retinal detachment. And it's not part of the macular generation. I hope that helps. Thank you. So uh, we have two questions that are quite the same. So Joanne from Wisconsin and um, uh, Mr. Burton from, from California, both asking about zeaxanthin and lutein in, as a supplement, possibly in addition to the ARIDS-2 formulation. So taken outside of ARIDS-2, which already, of course, has both these vitamins in it, Taken outside of ARIDS too, is there is there any benefit or is there any general uh, general medical knowledge about benefits that might be had by taking additional lutein or zeaxanthin? When we studied lutein zeaxanthin, uh, we felt that this is a, a good dose and maybe as much as you need because when we did different doses, we found that this elevated your blood level to a certain degree. And this was sufficient to really make a difference. Adding more may not necessarily improve your chance of, of suppressing the disease. So we went with this particular dose based on the experts in this field who felt this was sufficient. And you're also eating some. So really, we don't think you need any more than this uh, that we have in the ARIS2 supplement. We don't know what the effects are for having more because you could suppress absorption of other type of vitamins because vitamins are taken into the blood by certain transport system and, and you know when when that gets sort of overloaded because you've got so much of one than the other you might you might actually uh, cause a suppression of some others so we think that that it, it probably is sufficient and adding more may not be that helpful at this point okay so we have a, a caller Ann from Pennsylvania and She's asking about what changes in the Ampsler grid mean. And so she's asking, she, she says that when she looks at her Ampsler grid, things appear pretty, pretty normal. But when she looks out at her neighbor's window, the grids on that window seem to look very wavy. And she's specifically asking if this, if this can be an indication that she is going into a wet form of a more advanced form of macular degeneration. But, but maybe what, what does it mean when that Amsler grid changes? What, uh, you know, what, what's going on behind the scenes in the eye? And what, what, should the, what should the person do with that information? So, Anne, it's quite common that Amsler grid changes might already be there because you have certain changes in your macular generation. It's the change from what you have today that might be more important. So, for example, other diseases can cause some changes like that. So what it means is that the, the retina, which is the back of the eye, has some abnormal changes. But it may not be macular generation. So when you have changes and you've seen your doctor and they say you're fine, that's your normal state. Then you look the next several months and weeks to see if there's any change on top of that. So I wouldn't be too alarmed. Uh, and if you have change that you'd like to be seen about, you should see your doctor and be reassured that you're actually in good shape. But once you have established what we call your, your, your normalcy, you want to look beyond that. And what Amster Grid reflects are, are changes in the, in, the, in the part of the eye that is important for seeing. It's not absolutely flat. When it's not flat, it bulges out and causes things to look either, you know, undulating, distorted, or it might bow. So those are good signs of early changes from Mac generation. That's what makes it such an uh, important monitoring uh, device for you to actually look at it and, and monitor your own vision. 
Okay. <clears throat> Thank you so much. So Dorothy from Maryland is, is asking about uh, diseases that might come along with macular degeneration. And so she's, a, she's asking if we've found any connections between moderate Alzheimer's disease and dry macular degeneration, but, but broader, you know, if, if not Alzheimer's disease, and maybe, maybe there is a connection, but uh, are there other diseases that travel in packs with, with macular, degeneration, macular degeneration or other ocular disorders? Dorothy, that's a very good question. We don't know whether Alzheimer's is related to macular degeneration. We don't have good data on that. We don't think so. We're looking now at patients with Alzheimer's to see if they have any early changes of AMD. Uh, our friends in England have suggested there's some early changes, like way, way out in the, in the retinal, you know, in the, in the far peripheral areas of your eye that doesn't really contribute to your vision, that there may be some early changes, but that's to be really established. Uh, you know, macular degeneration occurs, the, the biggest risk factor is age. And as you age, you get cataracts. So that's part of, part of sometimes a package. They're probably not related. And in particular, people are concerned about cataract surgery, whether that instigates more macular degeneration. We don't think that happens either. So these are independent things that occur because as we age, these different aspects of the eye age as well. So we don't see any other associations that we know of. So we've, we've had a number of questions that ask about what are the first indications of macular degeneration, and they come in a, a lot of forms. So people have asked about high levels of, of drusen. Uh, they've asked about, about uh, difficulty adjusting between light and dark locations. There's, there's been questions about, uh, about waviness in lines. But what are, what are the signs of macular degeneration that would spur you to suggest that somebody go and have their eyes evaluated by, a, uh, by an eye care professional? For most cases, macular degeneration has no symptoms. You may, early cases, you may not notice you even have it. Those yellow spots called drusen, which one of your uh, astute listeners talking about, are yellow spots in the back of the eye. They're the hallmarks of macular degeneration. You go in and have them, your doctor look at it. If they see drusen, they'll declare you having macular degeneration. So in terms of the, the symptoms, people who have difficulty adjusting going from a, a very bright light to a dark room can have early macular degeneration. Those are the rare signs that we sometimes may see in patients who otherwise have good vision may have problems adapting to the dark. So that is a good reason to go in and see the eye doctor. The waviness really means that it could be having some changes in, in the part that really gives you good vision, and that could be related to macular degeneration, but it could be other conditions. So when you have those symptoms, definitely go and see your eye doctor. But if you have a family history, you should go in and have a dilated eye exam to make sure you don't have those drusen. And if you do have drusen, then you should take the precaution of taking the vitamins and monitoring your eyes carefully. Well, the, the family hint... The family history question begs the next question, which is, uh, which is, what is the what is the importance and how does one address a family history of macular degeneration with people who do not have macular degeneration? So, if I have macular degeneration and have children or or, or siblings, what what are the data points? What are the talking points that I might 
put into a request to to my family members to ask that they go and have their eyes checked? Yes, that's a very good question. You know, macular degeneration is a genetic disease. We know that because it runs in family, but it's not one of these clear-cut if I have it, my son and daughter will have it. Because there are other factors, as environmental factors are important. If you're a smoker, you have a greater risk for max generation. So all those things come into play. But if there's a family member who does have max generation, you should go in and be seen by an eye doctor who, or eye care profession who dilates your eyes and look for those drusen to, to get you into early vitamin prevention and also monitoring your vision. So family history is not 100%. You don't, you know, it doesn't mean you're doomed. If your mother and father have it, it doesn't mean you're going to have it too. And that's why it's important to get in and be and be seen because it doesn't quite work that way. So, so the eye exam is crucial for this. Okay. So Leonard from New Jersey is writing into or calling in to ask, saying that he's been on injections for quite some time of uh, of two of the anti-VEGF inhibitors, and has had had some problems and is wondering if there's anything going on in the world of research that might uh, might lead to a retinal transplant or a, or a macular transplant. Um, these things are a bit a bit in the future, but where, what's your opinion? Where where's what's the state of the art on on retinal transplants or or some of these uh, alternative technologies? Oh, that's a very exciting field right now. Lots of things are happening. It's experimental, of course. There's nothing proven. Uh, there are ways of looking at stem cells. They're growing, they're growing cells from the skin and then making different parts of the, the retina. It is, it is unbelievable what people are, are, are what researchers are doing. Uh, there are a number of studies that are ongoing looking at injecting cells that might be useful uh, or transplanting cells that are grown from your own in to uh, to replace some of the things that, that are happening, but all that is still very experimental. It, it will not be ready, at least not in the near future, uh, but it's very exciting because there are methods of using stem cells that might be able to help us with the very severe cases of macular degeneration, uh, and there's also gene therapy that's happening. So there, there is a number of things happening on the, on the investigation field, and we hope that we'll have some good results in the next, over the next decade, we should see some interesting things come out of that. And certainly anybody who's interested in, in clinical trials, the, there is a resource for finding clinical trials that is a, a web page. It's clinicaltrials.gov, and some of these uh, some of these future technologies are are currently in trials. And we in, encourage anybody who has an interest in clinical trials to find out more information either through clinicaltrials.gov, or or you can call in one eight hundred four three seven two four two three, and one of our our staff here at Bright Focus would be happy to tell you a little bit about what's on clinical clinicaltrials.gov in your in your area. So there's a there's a question from Mary from Illinois, who's retinal specialist. Uh, she had had a conversation about devices for at home monitoring, and that that retinal specialist had, had not recommended it. And so these are you know uh, some of them are FDA approved now. And what what are the uh, what are the downsides to those devices, or what would you suggest to Mary in terms of uh, continuing the conversation with that doctor? 
Well, the, the retinal de uh, the devices for home monitoring also depends on the vision. If the vision is not moderately good, it will not be very useful. The downside, of course, some of them are, you know, do cost money. It's not paid for yet by, uh, I think, Medicare or any of the insurance companies. Uh, so that that is a bit of a downside because that is extra cost that one would incur. But on the other hand, I think there are other things one can do. Simply, if you're going to monitor yourself, and many people read, uh, if you can read the newsprint, can you cover one eye than the other to see if there's any difference? It's, it's that monitoring one eye, just using one eye at a time, because when we use two eyes, if something goes wrong with the one eye, you actually don't pick it up quite as well. So if you're vigilantly covering one eye than the other and doing that regularly, you can pick up differences that may not be quite as good as the home monitoring, which uses techniques that are slightly different and are much more sensitive. They can pick up earlier changes from that, that perspective. But sometimes some people cannot use the monitoring device for various reasons, and so it's not for everyone, that's for sure. Thank you for clearing that up. Uh, we probably have time for maybe one more question. So Judy from California is asking about proper lighting for someone with, with macular degeneration. And so we mentioned glare earlier on in the context of sun, sunglasses. But what do you advise people who are looking for uh, lighting that will make the most of their vision? Well, Judy, lighting is, is everything for macular degeneration. It, people complain the fact they can't read unless they have very bright light. Some of those gooseneck lamps that go over your shoulder and shine light directly on the material that you are looking at is probably m most helpful. Uh, the other issue uh, with that is, you know, if you're computer savvy, you want to look at good contrast and big letters, and sometimes reading with things like Kindles, you may want to have a dark background with white lettering. Maximizing that contrast is important, and also maximizing the light to as much as you can tolerate without getting glare is also important. Those will help you to, to really function well, with, even with macular degeneration that decreases your vision. Well, to Judy and everyone else, we want to thank you so much for participating in the conversation today, and especially to Dr. Chu. We certainly want to thank you for taking the time to speak with us. And I want to remind everyone that within about a week, we'll be posting a recording of this call as well as a transcript of the call on our website. You can listen to and download past chats on iTunes or SoundCloud, or you can call in 1-800-437-2423 to order a print transcript. So our next chat will be, of course, next month, and it, the the topic that we'll be considering is what you need to know about wet macular degeneration. So looking at wet macular degeneration specifically. And we encourage you to register and submit questions in advance. And we'll certainly be sending anyone who registered today, we'll be sending you a reminder email. So in fact, you can register for the June chat right now and request free materials from Bright Focus for yourself, for your loved ones. And I mentioned earlier our top five questions to ask your eye doctor or some of the other publications that we offer. So to do so, you can call Bright Focus at 1-800-437-2423 or by visiting our website at brightfocus.org. That's O-R-G. And, of course, if you want to stay on, on online after the call, you can leave a message after this call concludes. So again, thank you to everyone for joining us today and to you, Dr. Chu, for thank providing you very much. your expertise. Thank you very much.
Absolutely. And if you'd like to leave a comment after the call, just stay on the line. Thanks from all of us at Bright Focus, and have a great day. The information provided in this recording is a public service of Bright Focus Foundation and is not intended to constitute medical advice. Please consult your physician for personalized medical, dietary, and or exercise advice. Any medications or supplements should only be taken under medical supervision. Bright Focus Foundation does not endorse any medical products or therapies.